You're listening to the All Pacer Pod, a podcast for Pacer fans, by Pacer fans. I'm your host, Jack, and we got a fun episode today. I think Austin's going to be joining me for a segment later on, but the thing I'm most excited for is former Indiana Hoosier Earl Calloway is going to come on to talk about his career, where he's at right now, and we're just going to have a blast doing that. So I don't want to waste too much time getting into that. Just wanted to give you a heads up right now that we have a few new podcasts that have launched on this platform, All Indie Sports. Blue Buds Hoops, where we just interviewed Maurice Creek, former Hoosier. There's the Colts Corner Podcast, which if you're a Colts fan or just an NFL fan in general, they're doing all the draft coverage right now. You're not going to want to miss out on that. And then as always, be sure to go listen to the playbook, the NBA podcast we have on All Indie Sports. That is hosted by Sal, who is frequently on All Pacer Spot and his buddy Mark. Um, I love that show so much. So go check that one out and if you haven't already, subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Also, thanks for listening. We are so appreciative for all of our day one listeners and all the new ones too. I mean, this has just been a blast to do. We're over 100 episodes now into this podcast, and we're just so grateful. So I thank you personally, and hopefully you can continue to enjoy the content that we're pumping out. But I don't want to waste any more time. Let's talk to Earl Calloway. All right, so now I'm joined by former New Mexico State Aggie, former Indiana Hoosier, and former professional for so many teams. I'm not going to mention them all, but Earl Calloway, one of my first favorite players at Indiana University. So this is a this is a treat for me, man. But how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Thank you for having me. Man, I just am excited to hear about your journey. We're going to be talking about uh, where you started, your first inspirations, um, you know, where you're at now and your basketball journey. But we like to start out every interview with the question of who's the greatest of all time in basketball. We like to keep track of this stuff. So I can give you choices, but I know it's usually a two-man race. But, I mean, if you have any other answers, let's hear it. It's a, it's a one-man race. Okay. Michael Jordan. By, by far, Michael Jordan. He just changed the whole game. Yeah, he's the he's the prototype. So it's just no comparison. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, Maurice Creek said the same thing. So you're our first two um, votes for this since we started keeping track of this. So that's two Michael Jordan, zero, <laughs> zero. Yeah, zero LeBron. I guess is the other one. We'll see if anyone ever picks him. But uh, he's he's great, but he he's not he. he doesn't compare. So let's talk about your career. I want I want to start from the beginning though. So early inspirations, like were there NBA players you modeled your game after, college guys maybe? Um, and then when did you first know notice that you might have what it takes to play at a high level? So first inspirations was uh, the neighborhood playing College Park in East Point, uh, uh, recreational centers, Charles A. Green, Jefferson Dream, Jim, Brady Jim. And uh, playing at the parks first, and then uh, AJ was playing recreational, and then he kind of brought me along. So I went over to East Point, and then uh, started at Brady Gym first, and then went on to uh, Jefferson Gym. Stayed there, played there. So that was my first taste of recreational organized ball. But my early inspirations were Magic, 
Isaiah and uh, Michael first, because uh, Michael didn't come on. Michael was becoming the player, but it was Magic first because the flashy passes and Isaiah being small, and uh, then Michael, and then um, trying to think some other uh other people that inspired me you're you're naming point guards too and i can see throughout your career like you're a pass first guard in a lot of ways or at least you're leading your teams in assists so i can tell like i can see that inspiration for sure when you said that yeah you know getting the team better running this show uh because you gotta you gotta make it make sure everybody's happy because if everybody's not happy you're not gonna play together you're not going it's gonna be a uh, um no continuity. You mentioned AJ, and that's AJ Moye, who we had on this podcast a couple months ago. Um, and so you were kind of in that same circle as him. That's 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 like my big brother. So I'm either at his house or he's at my house, and he was serious at a young age, and I played just to play. I was having fun, and then um, he would he beat me. He would beat my team because I was a year and a half younger than him. But we would play. I played up. So we would play them, and he would always win the championship. So after he left the wreck, I eventually was able to win a championship. But he would always beat up on me and beat up on everybody at the gym. So uh, it was between him, my my guy, Rod Rodriguez, um, uh, Robert Swain, uh, Jason Stallworth, Larry Ben. Jamie Brewer, he was ahead of us, but these were the guys I looked up to playing-wise uh, in the neighborhood and playing recreational ball with. So it was, it was, it was a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a battle. It was a battle at a young age. So he, 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 he led me in the right direction. Yeah, and I'm sure like playing against older guys too when you're younger, having to body up, uh, getting beat up a little bit. I, I'm sure that just pushed you to be an even better player than you probably would have been if you didn't get that opportunity. Had to be tough. Yeah, it was no, I was the smallest. So at that point, they were uh, beating up on me, pushing me around. So um, just had to get tough and it, it, it built the toughness in me. There's not many better defenders or more aggressive defenders than AJ Moya too. So I'm, I'm sure uh, that got annoying sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he fouls. He, he fouls. <laughs> he, he does nothing but foul. So you're in this world, you're in the basketball world, you're, you know, playing high school ball. I think you win a state championship as well. Um, and Wikipedia said Adam Pacman Jones was on your team. I, I don't uh, buy into Wikipedia too much, but is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, and I looked at like a bunch of the um, former players who had gone to your high school too. And it's kind of insane, at least in the NFL world. Kieran Fox, Sean Jones... Uh, Pac-Man Jones. Who else? Cam Newton. Yeah, that's my guy, Cam. Uh, who else? Yeah, Nick Hunter. We, these are these are these are elite players. My center, John John Walker, John Thompson. My shooter, uh, Trent Dominique Crawford. I can go down the list of that squad, man. We was we was Pac Lewis, Darren Rogers, Mike Shaq, Dutch, Paul, uh, Kyler. We had a squad, man. It was it was a it was a team to be reckoned with. Clearly, you guys won the state championship, um, and so you. So when the recruiting process starts, I mean, I just like to hear about how that goes for players. Um, I'm not a basketball player. I mean, other than like just playing pickup and like low level basketball. 
Um, so I, I don't know any of like the recruiting process personally, but I just love to hear about how like the process started for you when you first started getting noticed and what teams were interested in you too. That's a good question. So my first year, uh, no interest, not really second year, a little bit junior year, uh, Stetson Furman, uh, the mid majors, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, What's your school up in um, up north? Uh, Coach Cinderoff, I forgot. Youngstown, Youngstown. Also, too, uh, New Mexico State came late in the picture. Uh, and then you know you would have you would be on the mailing list. It's a mailing list uh, once you start playing. So Georgia Tech was in some uh, University of Georgia, Tennessee, but they were all. I was on the mailing list. So it was, it was it was low recruiting in uh, high school for me. Yeah, but New, Mex- New Mexico State, um, a D1 program, reached out. What's that like? When did you know that that was the school you wanted to go to? And that's kind of a big move for you, too. Uh, really didn't have any. I had, I had a couple scholarships, but I, the goal was to go major D1, big, big D1, and not mid-major or not saying taking anything away from those schools, but during that time, I see AJ go here. AJ goes to Indiana. Uh, Adam Pac-Man goes to West Virginia. Uh, you want to follow in those footsteps. I see my other guys, uh, Rashad Karouf, Anthony Rice go to Memphis. He goes to Kentucky. Uh, Shotty goes to Georgia. You want to go, uh, Wayne Arnold goes to these schools, Georgia. I went to follow in the footsteps, but I wasn't recruited like that. So New Mexico State came around, great opportunity to go play and decided to go there because I, I believe it was the best, the biggest school I could go to to showcase my talent. So how did going onto campus for the first time, having to compete for minutes, you played in a ton of games, but your minutes weren't very high as a freshman. That's not something crazy that happens. But um, you're, you were there competing. Um, what was going through your mind? Like, did you see the talent there is something that like was not to your level or, I mean, I just love to hear kind of the dynamics of that team and where you fit in. Honestly, uh, when I got there, um, talent was good. Talent was great. I don't think I should have been on the bench. However, going through the process of learning how it goes and who comes before and uh, deals and politics and how things were played out, that limit the minute, so I had to play behind uh, Jason Fontenet. So play behind him, and he eventually left the school the year after the the, the next year. I think he transferred to Oregon State. But uh, just dealing with politics, and but talent wise, it was talent. However, I believe I should have been starting. Yeah, and I mean, you left that season after, went to Georgia Perimeter. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. It wouldn't be wouldn't be no Earl Cowell without Georgia Perimeter. Coach Dennis and Coach Barney, my guys, they, they came in and uh, segued my career, and the rest is history. Like, if it wasn't for Georgia Perimeter, if it wasn't for those two men uh, redefining my career, I would be no Earl Calvary right now. And shout out to my uh, mentor who passed, Woody. He, he, uh, he got me there. He got me the uh, scholarship to go there and also uh, – it was just, it's life-changing, life-changing, life-changing. Yeah, no doubt, because of where it 
brought you to um, to end your college career. But I mean, what's that? I, I want to talk about Georgia Perimeter a little bit now that you said that. Um, so leaving New Mexico State and going to Georgia Perimeter, what's what like was part of that process? I mean, can you just describe that to me, like how you got from New Mexico State to Perimeter? So my my uh, my goal was to get me recruited and get to the major D1 school that I wanted to get to. And it worked out that way. However, um, I was supposed to go to LA Southwest because the gentleman that was uh, recruiting me out of high school wanted me to come before I went to college. And then um, that fell through. So Coach Dennis and uh, Coach Barney came through and they said, we got a spot here. So I took it up, took it upon me to go there and they were already one of the top teams in the country and they went to the nationals that year I set out and they almost won it. So it was like, it's a great program. They have a history of producing D one players, Rocky Trice, Ray George, all these guys have gone to the, you know, went to the next level that following year and did, and was successful. So I said, let me follow the blueprint and go here and let these, let these, let this team uh, take me in. And they did. Yeah. I never thought about, uh, it's a Juco, correct? Correct. So I never thought about like the perspective of you're getting re-recruited. Um, so that's interesting. And I'm, I'm sure like the bigger games you played or the deeper you made into the, uh, I don't know, tournaments or however that was going for you guys. But I'm sure like that's when you were seeing some of the bigger programs, coaches come through or the assistant coaches. So when did you first notice um, IU coming to your games? Was it Mike Davis who was reaching out to you? So... How it happened was uh, play, we played well. We almost made it to the uh, Nationals, um, but I ended up dislocating my big toe after I blocked the shot. But we were doing well. And, uh, you know, teams are interested throughout the year. But uh, Coach Donnie Marsh came down uh, to, to the gym and uh, came and watched live in person. And then after the uh, open run, they offered a scholarship on the spot because it was between them and Ole Miss. Ole Miss missed the flight and then catch and then catch the flight to get there. And then Coach Marshall's in the gym and Coach Marshall's like, yeah, we, we won. So called Coach Davis on the phone and made it happen. So, I mean, were you trying not to sound too uh, ambitious at the time? Like, were you ready just to sign with IU in that moment? Oh, no. So what the, the idea was, I was thinking it was going to be Ole Miss. Because I'm like, okay, Ole Miss, you know, Indiana, okay, you know, my confidence is good. However, you know, go to Indiana, it's like, okay, you, you got to be, you have to be, you already know, it's, a, it's an elite level. Ole Miss as well, too. However, I think Ole Miss would fit my style better than IU, but they didn't come and, hey, IU offered it. I said, yeah, I'm going, you know, we take right there, me, my dad, and uh, my, my other mentor who's my other inspiration too as well, Alan Jones. He uh he 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 took me in when nobody else would and worked with me and got me to the level of where I needed to be. And I'm I'm thankful for it. But we were there, they offered, we took it and you know, flew up there about two weeks later and uh, had a good time. Enjoyed it. Mike Davis was your coach, your first season in Indiana. Um your shooting numbers were great. You didn't have the same stats that you would have the next season under Kelvin Sampson. What were the styles like between those two coaches? And did, I mean, was there one 
style that like you preferred over the other? No, no, no. It was it was both of them were fine. I think Coach Davis was under a lot of pressure, and and that kind of affected the lineup. But once after the UConn game, Coach him and Coach Marks called and Coach Rush, Coach Ruck, uh, called me into the office and gave me the keys and said, "Hey, it's, it's your team now. Go to work." And as you saw from then on, we were able to excel. We did real well after that. So. I think after the pressure, coach was like, go play your game, and he let me play my game. So, Yeah, and you had some ball-dominant guys on that team, too, and Killingsworth, Robert Vaden. Marshall Strickland was a, a really solid player at IU, too. So, I mean, and look, and what, DJ White was a freshman that season as well. That's my guy. Those, those, we, we, I think once I was implemented to the starting lineup, everything flowed, and I think everybody played well, and I think the offense and the team changed for is playing together and not being selfish. I read one a website say that DJ White and Roderick Wilmot were two of your closest friends. What's the locker room like at Indiana during your time there? I mean, is it something different than what you've experienced in the past? Are like some of these guys, are you still keeping up with them to this day? How's that look? It uh, looks good, man. Me and DJ talk every day just about Rob checking periodically. Uh, spoke to Sewer. I think about last year, uh, Lance saw Lance at uh, DJ's wedding a couple years back. Uh, Coach McCollum, the, the locker room and the love is always there. When we see each other, it's, it's, it's nothing but love. So looking forward to getting back up there soon and uh, getting with the guys. Well, I want to talk about the second season now of your time at IU. Uh, Kelvin Sampson becomes the head coach. If you're an Indiana fan at all, you know how that ended. Um, I, we've talked a lot in Indiana recently, like family, friends, um, if this, if the Samson stuff happened today, how would it look? Um, I think it'd be completely different. So I, I don't want to take away, uh, first of all, I don't want to take away what happened. Like rules are broken, all that, but it would be different today. And I, I like to think about that a little bit, you know, but when you were there, did you start to notice anything? Like I, I know programs break rules. Um, no, we were we were we were watched, man. We were they were sitting in on practices and everything. So it was it was nothing going on. They were sitting in on practices heavy. So they were monitoring us regardless. So it wasn't wasn't anything going on. There was no inkling. You had no idea anything was coming up. No. Nah. Yeah. Um so you weren't actually there the next season. Um you made your transition to the pros. What would you just describe your IU? Um, experience though to me in like a few sentences I mean were you grateful for this opportunity do you think you would have made it to where you are today if you didn't get that nah I wouldn't have uh dream come true you know so wasn't expected to be there but by God's grace made it there excel and and done and done well so forever grateful for the opportunity there it was can you imagine playing in front of 18,000 people every home game and going nuts. So you can't, you can't, you can't describe it. Can't describe it. That's awesome, man. Um, so let's talk about the transition to the pros. Um, you got some summer league opportunities. You were in a 2k video game. I remember that when I was younger. Um, I'm sure you've heard about this a lot or I, I, I bet you still have the game. Do you play it every so often? 
Yeah, I, I have the game. I have it. I have uh, I have it framed. That's awesome. Two two K fourteen. Yeah, my uh, co-host and producer of this uh, was texting me before. He's like, "Hey, I can't make it, but you got to tell him that he's in two K." And I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah, two K fourteen. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll have to tell him that I talked to you about that. But um, yeah, so you made that transition to the pros. Um, never made it to the NBA, but got close. Obviously, in the video game. Um, but Fort Wayne Mad Ants was your first official stop. Um, but what's that whole process like going from college, like the wrapping up of your college career, um, and then entering the pros? Like, did you have any thought that you might make it to the NBA uh, on draft night, or or how did that look? Yeah, no draft night. No, I I know I didn't have the the stats or the the star power to get drafted. However, playing summer league and making a great showing, we'll get an opportunity to get a, a contract or either uh, a training camp invite to go play. So that was the objective going the other way. I know I wasn't going to get drafted. So position myself where I'm able to be seen and hopefully given an opportunity. Your summer league, you played really well. Um, but then your stats for the Mad Ants, you averaged over two steals a game, almost six assists a game. Those are great numbers. Um, and even the Pacers coach at one point said, you're an NBA player. Uh, and just, it never happened. Jim Bryant, yeah, Jim O'Brien came in the, came in the, uh, after played for the Pacers my second year, I believe. I, I made second team all tournament team. And he was, he's a, you're an NBA point guard, but they had no roster spots available. So. Which is crazy to me because at the time there should have been a roster spot. I think, I think uh, Travis Dina was the last one. I think they had he had the last guaranteed contract. So yeah. do I go back and play Mad Ants or do I go start my career uh, or continue my career uh, overseas? Which was the decision you made and that brought you to, I, I don't know if I'm saying it right, it's in Croatia, Sabona? Sabona. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. What's it like going to a different country in that culture um, and trying to adapt? So, you know, it was no FaceTime, was no, uh, no, you know, FaceTime, no phone, no phones for his, like, iPhone. So, first got there the first week, was tough, language barrier. I knew one guy, his name was Vucic, um, he played at Northwestern while I was at Indiana. That was his home country, so we was on the same team. So, he spoke, you know, we spoke, he spoke to me and translated some things, but that first week was tough, but once I got through the first week, the rest was comfortable. Found places to eat, where to go, uh, haircut, how to get uh, food, order things, and just enjoy myself. Yeah, um, and then that led you to Spain, correct? The next season for Cusur Real, Real Betis. Mm-hmm. You don't always see this. You were there for three seasons. Usually, you see players go one place or one team, stay there for a year, and then move on. So um, that kind of became home for you, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's that's my my, my place. Seville is beautiful. Um, first year was with the coach, Coach Plaza. Uh, did well with him, and he stayed on for two more years, and he wanted to keep me. So, stayed with him. Was successful. So, made it on. It was nice. And you played with, uh, I, I believe he's still in the NBA, Thomas Sadoransky at the time, 18-year-old. Yep, young Thomas. Yeah, 18-year-old. Got to play with him. Did you see anything in him early on? I know he's a bigger guard. A- athletic. Long, 
play with intensity, just the upside was there. You, you already saw it. And then the next year I got, I broke my foot. He played and you saw the, the development and the flashes of what was to come. After that. So you're five years in Spain. I mean, are you fluent in Spanish? What, what, what did you take away? Almost. Not yet. Uh, yeah. A little bit. I'm, I'm still doing my studying every day as well. So just to keep me abreast of what's going, you know, keep my, my language going. So you're not staying there all year either, just during the season, correct? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's from August to May. So it's, it's 10 months, 11 months out of the year. So the first year I got there, I had to Google Translate, so I couldn't think, so I would just type in English and I would show the waiter or show the person I'm trying to talk to, because most of them, they, didn't, they don't speak English unless you're in Barcelona or Madrid. You moved to Turkey. I'm sure that's a, just a crazy culture shock, too, moving from Spain. Um, yeah, talk about that a little bit. You were there for five seasons um, for four different teams. Food is amazing. Food is amazing. People are aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> They can't drive, but uh, it was a great experience. It was a great experience. That's cool. And then, so you go back to Spain for one more season, and that leads you to today where um, you're in Ottawa, correct? No, I was in Qatar this year. Qatar this year. Oh, okay. So I read that wrong. Um, it's not, no, that was, that was last year, last okay. summer. Played the CEL last summer, and then uh, this year I was in Qatar. Oh, okay. How, I mean, how'd that go? They're preparing for the World Cup. Yeah, they, they're they're, they're uh, November, so their season doesn't start next year until January because of the 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 World Cup. But it went good. It went good. Um, we lost in the we lost in the semis for the first playoff round. We lost in the semis in the first cup, and then we almost made it to the semis in the last round. So it was, it was a great year. The team was uh, at the pits, and then uh, once I got there. And my and my buddy Antoine, we uh took the took the team up to top four in the league. That's cool, man. And is that where you're planning on playing next season as well? We'll see. You know, if they come back, you know, they come back and offer you a great opportunity. A little more relaxed than the Europe grind. So it it, it was it was it was good. It was good on the body. Let's talk about that uh Europe league a little bit. Um were there some guys who are turning into stars in the NBA or like having really good careers? Did you see, did you catch some of them early? I know we talked about Thomas Sadoransky, but like, was there anyone at like a, an even higher level now that you got to see early on? Neto plays with the Jack. Is it the Wizards now? He's with the Wizards. Yeah. Neto, point guard him. Yeah. Him, Porzingis. Cool. Porzingis, Porzingis is under us at a console in Spain. But he went from like six five to like six nine into like seven feet in in one year. So we already saw the potential. Uh, he could shoot the ball, but he was thin. And then that next year, he grew. He, you see what he's doing now. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think about else. Him, Rubio, Rubio too as well. We had some matchups. Um, Abrines, okay. he went back though. Abrines, Miritich. Yep. He went back as well. What's it? Papa what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Is it Papa Giannis? No, no, no. The other one, left-handed, played for Houston. And he oh. came on. He's in he's in Olympiacos now. I couldn't tell you. And the big boy for um he played with uh Kuzma, Kuzma with the Knicks. 
the young boys. Those are the young boys. I forget their names, but Kuza saw that as well too. So a couple guys I've I've seen before and knew that we we're going to get there. And that's cool. I mean, like you playing in the the Spanish league, the top Spanish league. Um, for all those years, top Turkey league, even coming back to the top Spanish league. I mean, that's the probably the second best league in the world. I mean, maybe if you consider the G league at this point, um, second best, but I mean, still like that's top talent for you to last this long in your career from where you came, um, from. And like, clearly there's a track record of grinding, um, working harder than everyone else. Like, is that kind of what you believe has defined your career in a lot of ways? Yes, always wasn't like I said, wasn't the biggest, wasn't the most recruited, but uh, outworked everybody, took him a body and just worked. IU for me, like I want to hear about your best memories, maybe your best game. Um, I, w- I want to hear about that if you can even remember it. It's, it's a couple memories. Well, let's let's hear all the memories then. Okay, Duke game. We, we had to lose him, but that, that atmosphere was undeniable like we broke they broke the stands broke the uh the, the wall from jumping so much <laughs> so it was it was so loud in the in the huddle we were like this to listen to coach davis that one there that's your second season correct first no first season first season your first season okay yeah the, the we played the next year at duke that atmosphere was amazing too as well um the two games in the tournament I got the steals record, and then we won. Uh, then the next one, I had a triple-double, I believe. No turnovers. Okay. I think I had 13 points, 10 assists, I think nine rebounds. But I think I have the 10th rebound. I got to go back and watch it. But I, I think I did have a triple-double with no turnovers. And then the following year, we beat Wisconsin. They were number two in the nation. We stormed the court. Yeah. Um, we made the tournament again. I mean, UCLA game, we ended up losing, but we did real well. Because we wasn't even favored to be in the game, but we, we almost won the game. Yeah, I'm going to have to look up this triple-double. I, 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 yeah, you got to watch it. I, I believe I had it. I have to watch the game. But I, I believe I had it, but they didn't count it down as a rebound. <laughs> so we'll see. It's either one, of, one, one sort of a rebound, I think. Yeah, I mean, you you could have done it at some point with steals too. I'm sure if you just really went for it, but uh, I guess five fouls is uh, <laughs> something you really got to track. Yes. Unlike the NBA, low. yeah, I mean, we're this is a Pacers podcast. We saw T.J. McConnell last year. He had 11 steals in one game. That's crazy. Isn't that 11? insane? Yeah, so it's the it tied the NBA record, I believe. Um, and he had a triple double with uh, points, assists, and steals, I believe. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. There might have been rebounds and steals, but yeah, crazy. So, and and we didn't talk about it, but your stats at the Mad Ants—you averaged nineteen points, five rebounds, six assists. That's insane. Two steals too. So, um, and didn't get a call up. I I can't believe it, man. What do you think it was your age at that point? I mean, uh, no, because you're probably twenty three, right? At that point, twenty four. Twenty three. I had two guys. I had I had uh, Sammy Mejia and I had um, Jeremy Richardson. They got called up. So I think I went on a span from like January, January to the end of the season. I'm just no no less than 22, 23, and I'm I'm dropping them off. And after I dropped the 44 point game, I was like, yo, they calling me up. So I went I went packed my bags. I ain't get no call, but it was yeah. I don't know about that one. 
That's insane. Yeah, I deserve. I believe I deserve to take that. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, if you played today, yeah, you would have had out of this little span here, that little COVID span there. Yeah, I'd have been for sure. So it's 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 about timing. I, yep. I believe it's about timing, and it's political as well too. So it's not that I didn't have the talent, or I'm not that I wasn't that player. I, I'm an NBA player. I just the opportunity just didn't present itself. No doubt, and like you said, the ten day span they had this year was insane i mean i just going to a game i felt like i was going to get called up pretty soon just because they needed to put a body out there the, the assistant manager don't get a call the way they let these people in yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah it had been a great time to be in the g league that's yeah all I can say. that's awesome well i want to hear your iu starting five all time zeke isaiah for sure steve uh alan Jeff, Jarrett. Oh, yeah, for sure. Jarrett. Ah, my fifth. My f- I got to need one more. Hmm, that's a tough one there. <laughs> DJ. Oh, that's that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yo, DJ. Mm-hmm. Gosh, he was so good. I, I, I told him two months ago. I went back and looked, uh, looked at some highlights. And I said, man, you really was killing like, yeah, I said, man, he was really, he was really killing. He went past the ball, but he was really killing. <laughs> he, he didn't pass. I, look, I was like, he didn't pass unless there's like three people on him. And I, I give him hell every time. I was like, bro, you never passed the ball. But I went back and looked. He, he made a couple passes. But other than that, he didn't pass the ball. But it's, it, he's in the five. He probably watched too much Kobe Bryant at that point, huh? Yeah, he, it was nothing but his little semi <laughs> shake and turn baseline jump shots. Now get that mess out of here. <laughs> There was a there was a point in his, I think his senior season when Eric Gordon was there, um, where that duo. I mean, they might have been the best duo in college basketball at that point. Obviously, didn't end right. It didn't have, like you said. It didn't. It, it, you had all the talent. They had nobody to steer the ship, and then they didn't play together as well too. So that's why they end up. Uh, they didn't go as far as they should have been. They should have been in the championship game with all that talent. There's no there's no reason why you got the second best guard in the country. And probably the top five big in the country, and you have the surrounding pieces, and they should have, they should have, they should have did damage. That was that was a travesty. One hundred percent. But um, hey, man, this was a pleasure. It's Jack, been thank a- you, man. Appreciate you. I'm um, available, so just let me know. Hit me up like you did, and I'm available. And I'm honored to be on the show, and I, I you know, pray for continued success, man. Awesome. I appreciate that. Well, um, we'll be following your career um, wherever it brings you next. Uh, and I'll have to go look for some jerseys, too, for, uh, from your previous stops. I'll, I'll start searching, but... I, I, got, I, got, I, got them in my, I got them here, and I got them in my bag. So I got to frame a couple. So I got a whole bunch of jerseys. What are they like? You sell them for like 250 each? No, I don't, I don't sell them. <laughs> man. I get, if somebody, no, no, no. If somebody wants them, like a fan of somebody, somebody asks for them, I, I kind of give it to them. So it depends. Oh, okay, shoot. I might hit you up then, but uh, I got you. Heck yeah. Like I said, I'll be following your career from here on out and we'll get you back on sometime. But I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. So I was planning on having Austin join me after this. We couldn't figure out how to get that scheduled. He's, you know, pushing papers, doing school, working. So uh, yeah, it's just going to be me for this last segment. But I just want to talk about the Pacers, what has been going on in this offseason. 
we haven't released one of these episodes in a while, so I figured we should go over some stuff because, you know, a lot is going on with the NBA draft the lottery coming up, um, the actual draft, free agency, what are the Pacers going to do? I mean, we're going to talk about all of this. Hopefully not too long, pretty brief. But yeah, I, I just wanted to talk about a lot of this stuff and hopefully we can get to the bottom of it and I'm going to share, you know, some of my predictions, some things that I'm hoping for. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the Pacers do. But so far, it's been a somewhat predictable offseason for the Pacers. Obviously, that's all going to change once we get to free agency and the NBA draft. Um but yeah, not much has happened so far. So we're, we're let's just go ahead and talk about it. I mean, I just want to talk about first how we finished the season. Um, Pacers had the third worst win percentage in franchise history. I went through, um, tried to figure out what the worst teams looked like. And the 82-83 season was the worst. They went 20-62 and 62 that season with a 24.4% win percentage. And then 84-85 season, they went 22-60 and 60 with a 26.8 win percentage. We're third, or this past season was the third worst, and that's 25-57 with a 30.5 win percentage. Should have been higher. Obviously, we went on that 10-game losing streak, if you remember, to end this past season. But the fourth was actually that in-between year from those two first years that I read. So it was 83-84, and I don't have written down what their win percentage was that year. I think 31.7%. The point is... This is one of the worst seasons in franchise history. It's around 60 years that this team's been around and we're third worst. Insane. Those 82 through 85 teams, too, had good players. You know, like Clark Kellogg was young. Herb Williams was young. Um, I think Steve Stepanovich was on that team, too. Netaliki as well. Um, so, yeah, some good guys on those teams. But they were all young, kind of, you know, building for the future there. Obviously, that all turned into Reggie Miller in that 87 season um, for that draft and got Chuck Person around that time as well. I think he was actually the last single-digit draft pick the Pacers had in 89, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit because as as of this moment, we have projected the fifth pick in the NBA draft. That's all likely to change with these new draft lottery odds. We did lose the last 10 games. The Trailblazers did too, and we were just two games ahead of them. So, I mean, we really fought for that fifth spot um, and man, that Trailblazers team towards the end of the season might have been one of the worst NBA teams I've ever seen in my life. But hey, Pacers were worse than them this year, so kind of fun. But with that fifth projected lottery spot, the Pacers have a 42.1% chance for top four, a 10.5% chance for the number one pick, which you know we're all super hopeful for. I, I feel like if you're a conspiracy theorist at all like me in any way, then, you know, this seems like the perfect opportunity for the NBA to freeze the Pacers card or the ping pong ball and, you know, give them the number one overall pick, a team that could really use it to build around this young core that we have going for us right now, a team that is not really ever in this situation either. Man, can you imagine getting that number one pick and having our choice between the top I'm going to say top four guys because actually this is I'm, we're going to talk about it in a minute but what my favorite guy in this draft isn't one of the three that everyone's talking about and you probably already know who I'm talking about too but yeah I mean if we can have our pick between one of those top guys at number one man that'd be awesome or even trade down a couple spots to maybe like two or three and still have one of those guys and get some assets on top of that 
that'd be amazing. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hope for top four. I'm gonna assume we get fifth, and realistically, knowing the Pacers as a franchise, we're probably gonna end up with like tenth or something. Who knows? But this would be perfect opportunity NBA. If you're listening right now, this this would be a perfect opportunity to skew the draft in the uh in the the draft lottery in the Pacers' favor. Because this team, you know, they're a perennial other than this what this past two seasons, they're a perennial playoff team and man, just got to get them back there. You don't want to be having Charlotte, well maybe they do with LaMelo Ball, but you don't want to be having, you know, some of these like scrub teams barely making it to the playoffs. You want to have that winning identity with the Pacers you know getting in that playoff spot every year Rick Carlisle at coach too man this team's gonna be fun but let's assume we get the fourth or fifth pick in this lottery I went ahead and wrote down some of the guys that I really like around this spot I'm including the top four guys I so when you look at the Pacers team going forward you know we have Halliburton at point guard which there's so much to be excited about we're actually going to talk about him here in a minute I want to you know, rank him among other 22 and younger guards in the NBA. And I think you'll be surprised at where he ranks because, um, I mean, I'm I'm really excited for his future in the NBA. If his final, I think, 26 games for the Pacers is any indicator to who he can be as an NBA player, I mean, the sky's the limit. So there's so much to be excited for. I'm going to compare him to these other guys. But I want to talk about, you know, this team going forward, what we're looking for. I'm under the belief that you just want to draft best available. If watching this Dallas Mavericks team in the playoff right now, playoffs right now proves anything, it's that it doesn't matter how many ball handlers you have on the team or on the floor. If you know, if you just put your best guys out there, obviously they have Luka Doncic. It's a different story, but look, Luka needs the ball in his hands. Jalen Brunson needs the ball in his hands. I mean, this is this might sound crazy, but Spencer Dinwiddie needs the ball in his hands, and his, he's been playing really well too. But all these guys, and you look at this Mavericks team, top to bottom. Obviously, they have maybe the best player in the NBA in Luka Doncic right now. Um, but you know that team doesn't totally make sense. Dwight Powell's their center, um, and you know they're playing a lot of Maxi Kleber at that spot too. They're playing small, and they just you know beat down the Phoenix Suns who most people probably had winning the NBA championship this year. So the point is get the best guy available. If it's another ball hander, that's great. That tends to work in the NBA, it turns out. Um, so I'm only saying that because, yeah, we have Halliburton. We have Duarte. We'll see how his health concerns going forward looks because, you know, he's been out a lot this past season. Uh, probably a lot of it had to do with the Pacers trying to lose and just, you know, giving him some rest which we saw a lot from this team this year. But, you know, if we believe in him or if you guys believe in him the same way that I do, then, um, you know, he could be a valuable piece going forward for the Pacers. I expect Buddy Heald to come back for Indiana. I don't expect Malcolm Brogdon to be a Pacer next year. There are reports that the Pacers have already started shopping him. Um, and there's a couple guys the Pacers are looking at too. But, the you know, the guys going forward, like, we desperately need a big man. Isaiah Jackson's shown flashes. I, I'm i still kind of maybe like one toe on the Goga Batadze train, but I, I think his, you know, his ship sailed a little bit. But yeah, Isaiah Jackson's looked good. Miles Turner's still an Indiana Pacer, so like we still have that going for us. 
and I don't expect him to get traded anytime soon either. So, I mean, we have some pieces going forward is the point. Something that we really need is some wing players that can score and play defense. And when you look at our team, you know, like maybe our best guy at that's TJ Warren, but you know, he's been hurt and I don't expect him to be a pacer next season. O'Shea Brissett, you could say he's a three and D guy potentially. His three point percentage wasn't great this year, but he's a versatile player and someone that, you know, Pacer fans love. I expect him to be back and Lance Stevenson. But the the point is is we're desperately needing a wing player. And if we could also get, you know, like if Chet Holmgren falls to us at whatever spot we're drafting at, and he could be, you know, that big man to pair with um, Tyrese Halliburton going forward, that would be an exciting thing. But, man, if we get the first pick, the guy that I really love, and this is going to sound crazy, and I I, I just got to tell you, I, I don't think any of these guys are as good going forward as Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey is my number one guy on, the, on my draft board. And, look, I'm an IU fan. I'm a diehard Indiana Hoosier. I hate Purdue. I'm sorry to all my Purdue fans out there. But I got to be honest and I got to be real. Jaden Ivey looks like an NBA player. He has that explosiveness like a young Westbrook or Ja Morant, which might sound crazy, but it's true. Um, the explosiveness, the athleticism's there. The shot creation's there. He moves like an NBA player. He looks like he's going at a different speed than everyone that he plays against. And maybe it's just a Big Ten team. Maybe he's not playing against a bunch of NBA talent. He did, uh, you know, get put in some tough situations against St. Peter's. But I was actually talking about this yesterday with some people. You know, that Purdue team who relied really heavily on Jaden Ivey, but they also relied on Edie, their, what, seven foot three center, and Travion Williams. And their game plan for the St. Peter's game was get the ball down low, let them go to work, the two big guys, and they couldn't do it. It's I, I can't explain it. St. Peter's is just one of those teams that is going to be feisty no matter what. But, man, those two guys, um, Williams and Edie, didn't play well. Jaden Ivey, as a result, didn't play well too. I'm, I'm not, I want to put some of the blame on him, but I, I don't think that was all his fault. Anyway, he, I mean, he just looks like an NBA player. He's ready. I feel like he's going to be a perennial all-star too, maybe an all-NBA guy. And I love him at that first spot. Do I think the Pacers would take him there? Probably not. Um, I think like having a Jabari Smith potentially at one who can translate to a, you know, three and D long time NBA player, guy who can create his own shot. He was almost buried and covered up by a couple of those guards in um, Auburn when he played there last season. You know, they didn't really get him the ball as much as they probably should have. He was clearly the best player on that team, just didn't work out. Paolo Banchero, like him too. I am not as high on him as I am Jabari Smith and Jaden Ivey, but you know, he's obviously going to be a really, or potentially going to be a really good NBA player. I said the same stuff about Marvin Bagley, but um, who knows? Maybe he could be the second coming of that Duke forward that I really love that doesn't really turn into much. Although Marvin Bagley might be good, Austin, uh, the the producer of this podcast will probably agree with me there. Chet Holmgren, too. I like him just based on his, you know, athleticism and size. Well, not at least height. I mean, he does need to bulk up a little bit. But having one of those big men to go along with, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, That'd be an exciting pairing going forward. I don't know. I know the Pacers are doing their research on this stuff. And do I trust them to make a good draft pick? Not necessarily, just based on the track record. But 
we'll see. Let's go through the Pacers' first-round draft picks, actually, of the uh, past 20 years. So 2000, we drafted Primo's Brizic, who was an OK NBA player. 2001, didn't have a pick. 2002, we got Fred Jones. 2003, nobody. 04 through 06, we got David Harrison, Danny Granger, Sean Williams. Danny Granger's we struck gold with that. He's the best pick of the 2000 to 2009 era. 2007, we didn't have a pick. Then we had Jared Bayless in 08. Psycho T, Tyler Hansborough in 09, who honestly wasn't that bad of a, a guy for us for a couple seasons during, you know, like those battles we had with Miami Heat. I'm a little higher on Tyler Hansborough than most people were. His size wasn't really there and shooting numbers weren't great. But he was an okay guy in 09, so I don't want to discredit that at all. 2010, we got Paul George. Obviously, that's going to be the best pick here. I mean, unless you think Danny Granger's better than him. If you do, you're crazy. But Paul George, 2010. 2011, we traded Kawhi, the Kawhi pick for George Hill, um, which I'm also okay with and on the record saying I'm okay with because George Hill filled the need that we needed at the time or that we had at the time. 2012, Miles Plumley, 13, Solomon Hill, 14, nobody. 2015, we got Miles Turner, still on the Pacers. Could be an all-time Pacer if he continues to stay on the Pacers at this rate. Uh, 2016, Karis LeVert, who we traded on draft night. 2017, maybe the worst NBA player for the next three seasons, TJ Leaf. 2018, Aaron Holiday, who scored the last points for the Phoenix Suns last night um, for their season. So shout out Aaron Holiday. 2019, Goga Batadze, who we drafted over some good guys. Uh, 2020, we didn't have one. We drafted Cassius Stanley in the second round, who we were all excited for, for no reason. Um, I believe he's out of the NBA. I think he was on the Pistons for a minute this year. But, yeah, I think he's out of the NBA. And then 2021, got Chris Duarte. So, the whole point is I don't trust this team to make a good draft pick. However, the, none of those were uh, nine or better. I think the... Highest draft pick we had there was Paul George, who might have been 10. I should know this. I know Kawhi Leonard was pick 11 around that range. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe if we get that top five pick, could be different. Maybe, you know, there will be some more research done on those guys, too, coming into it. But uh, we'll, we'll see how this draft goes. I just wanted to kind of go through those first round picks that we've had over the past 22 or 21 seasons and uh, wanted to kind of tempt temper uh, expectations a little bit but yeah so I mean like I said I really like Jaden Ivey I have him in tier one I have tier two Jabari Smith Paolo Banchero and Chet Holmgren in that order probably um no I'm gonna definitively say it's in that order the next tier I have Johnny Davis I really like him I'm a big 10 guy you know like I said I'm an IU fan um Johnny Davis from Wisconsin he was a sophomore this year I think he actually won player of the year or no he I think he came in second to Oscar Tshibwe from UK but yeah Johnny Davis was great this year he could be you know that shot creator on the wing potential you know stud three-point shooter defensive player but really high IQ guy um, really like him there if we fall to five I would hope we get Johnny Davis as of now it looks like Keegan Murray is the projected fifth pick from Iowa another Big Ten guy who I don't like nearly as much as Johnny Davis. I know he kind of looks like that, um, or he doesn't look like. I mean, he's definitely a shooter at that big man spot. He's 6'8", power forward, and shoots, you know, the lights out. But I really like these high IQ guys like Johnny Davis. Chris Duarte is one of those guys, too, and I really love him. So, I mean, even when you look at some of these guys who are performing in the playoffs right now, 
all the like the IQ and then wing defense and shooting like that's some of the most important positions in the NBA right now obviously shot creation something that you want that's why I have Jaden Ivey so high but I mean if we fall to five and we can get a Johnny Davis high IQ type player who would fit alongside Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte long term man I'd be really excited about that I really like Jeremy Sochan from Baylor as well I think he has a ton of potential but yeah those are my guys right now I'm looking for at that spot I think Sochan you can kind of wait a little bit longer in the draft he may be a lot I mean he's going to be a lottery pick I would assume but top five might be a little high for him but yeah the rest of those guys I'm I'm high on them and it's probably in that order that I said so Jaden Ivey tier one Jabari Smith Paolo Benchero Chet Holmgren tier two Johnny Davis tier three Keegan Murray tier four and then Jeremy Sochan tier five you can even put those last two guys in the same tier for me they're almost interchangeable but yeah that's my order I I mean if we get any of those guys I'd be stoked if we draft another white six foot nine power forward from some pack 12 school or something I'm gonna be a little butthurt so we'll see how it goes I am going to have my expectations be low for this draft but as always I know when we pick a guy I'm gonna get stoked about it so uh, as of now yeah that's where we're at and then I kind of want to talk about the rest of the offseason too right now so the Pacers have some free agents and it's not like a crazy list or anything there's a couple notable names but you know we're losing Ricky Rubio who never played a game for the Pacers there is talk that he might come back to play for the Pacers next season we'll see he has a great relationship with the team already it sounds like and um, he's a community driven player as well I think finished in the top eight it was 10 or 8 for the community um, award this season in the NBA so you know he does a lot of community work and teams really value that so if you already have a good relationship with the team and the community's loving you then there's a chance you come back a great chance you come back and that's I, I mean Ricky Rubio is a backup ball handler um, off the bench kind of running the second unit sounds pretty good to me um, TJ Warren's a free agent that's the big name didn't play for the Pacers this past season. I don't know how healthy he is. I assume that he's healthy, but that's me being a skeptic of what's been said this season. So we'll see. I think the Pacers probably just didn't want to play him at times, let him get fully healthy. I don't know what the goal there was because he may not come back to Indiana. I know a lot of people want him back, but there's an equal amount of people who are okay with him leaving. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm really high on TJ Warren, though. I mean, he has the body to be a good NBA defensive player, and then he can score and be a primary um, scorer in your starting lineup, too. We saw the 50-point game that he put up in the bubble. Bubble Warren's a different type of player, obviously, than regular TJ Warren, but, man, the potential's there. I really like TJ Warren. We'll see how his health is, though, and we'll see if the Pacers sign him. I'd be okay if the deal was right, maybe like a, 10 million a year deal but I bet he can get more somewhere else Jalen Smith is a free agent I don't know if the Pacers are going to be able to get him back he's probably going to get some good money places I would love to have him back but if you get Jalen Smith you're kind of choosing him over Isaiah Jackson and Goga I mean but that's I probably don't even need to mention that but you're probably choosing him over Isaiah Jackson and I don't know how many people are people are willing to do that for the price that Jalen Smith's going to get compared to Isaiah Jackson's contract, who's still on a rookie deal. Um, O'Shea Brissett is a free agent. 
Lance Stevenson as well, and both those guys I want back in Indy. O'Shea Brissett especially. Well, gosh, I can't even say especially. Lance Stevenson's one of my favorite players, Pacers ever. Um, but yeah, O'Shea Brissett and Lance, I'd love to have both of them back. Nate Hinton and Gabe York are free agents. I am 1,000% sure Gabe York won't be an NBA player next season. Um, and Nate Hinton, I don't know, he'll probably be on, uh, on the Mad Ants again, or maybe another team will give him an opportunity, but I don't expect either of those guys to be back. So that's our team, um, or our free agents. We'll see what happens. There are some rumors, though, that some guys may um, be on the move to Indiana. I've heard names like Jalen Brunson, who was coached by Carlisle in Dallas. I think that would be a great fit for Indiana. I don't know. I mean, especially after this this the playoffs, he's probably going to get close to $25 million a year, maybe more. He might be a max guy, which is wild to say, but he's definitely earned that money, only 25 But, yeah, having that primarily ball handler or primary ball handler alongside Tyrese Halliburton, I don't know what that would look like, but I – I have to say, if it's anything like Luca and him in Dallas, then it should probably work. But yeah, Brunson, there's a rumor there. Um, I've also heard DeAndre Ayton, which sounds crazy, but man, can you imagine him at center if we package the deal right? I mean, the Suns kind of did him dirty, didn't give him the extension that he wanted last season. Kind of did like a wait and see type of deal with him. And NBA players feel disrespected when that stuff happens. I think anyone would. And especially when he's seeing guys who were drafted after him. We, he was the number one overall pick in his draft. But when he sees guys drafted after him who are getting, you know, these max extensions and he's missing out on it, obviously he's going to be bummed about that. So who knows? Maybe he wants out of Phoenix too, especially the way the, the season ended. Could there be a Miles Turner trade in there? Um, maybe Brogdon included too. I don't know. I would do it. I'd love to have Aiton going forward. Um Especially in this East, he's someone who can not necessarily perfectly go toe-to-toe with Giannis, but he's a good bet, especially based on last year's NBA Finals. Really liked him against Milwaukee. But yeah, DeAndre Ayton and Brunson, I've heard both of those names. And then, like I said earlier, Malcolm Brogdon is being shopped right now, so I do expect him to be traded. I think a lot of teams could use that type of player, and he's a winning player as well. Um Big body, point guard, plays great defense, gets his team involved. That's something that every team needs. Um, so, yeah, those are our free agents. That's kind of what I've heard so far, too, as well, or as far as, you know, guys that we might be interested in go. I was looking through some of the free agents as far as wing players. I think we're going to have to wait to see who we draft because it's not looking great. I mean, the guy that I wanted out of all the wing players that I think is realistic is Kyle Anderson, who I really like, but you know that's not too much to be excited for. There's some other big men, too, that could fit in well with the Pacers, but as of now, I just want to wait and see. We'll do another podcast. Talking about free agency, I'll have Sal or Austin on, so I'm not just talking the whole time about that. But yeah, so we'll see how all that goes. Obviously, the draft is the big part of what our plans going forward are going to look like, but it's going to be Halliburton. Our draft pick, maybe Chris Duarte, maybe Isaiah Jackson, maybe Miles Turner. And then we'll just see what the team does from there. But let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton real quick. And then I'm going to wrap this episode up. Also, just want to shout out Earl Calloway again. I mean, I, I loved watching him at IU. And, man, what a cool guy. So shout out to 
Earl Calloway for coming on this episode once again. But let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton real quick. During the 21-22 season, I'm going based on the whole season. This is including Sacramento when, you know, he had De'Aaron Fox who's competing with for uh, touches. Not necessarily a bad thing or anything. He still put up great stats, but his stats took a huge jump when he went to Indiana. We've talked about it on this episode or on this show before. But, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton, I'm going based on the whole season. He averaged 15.3 points. 8.2 assists, 1.7 steals, 4 rebounds, and shot 41.4% from 3. Insane. When you look at his stats from when he was just in Indiana, I think it was 26 games roughly. His, I mean, all those numbers were higher. I think he was 4th in assists, 4th in steals, and points was averaging just about 20. So, insane. When you think about it too, he's one of those 22 and younger guards. I think he's 21 right now, maybe 22. But he's you know super young and already showing these flashes not even flashes like it seems like this is just who he is he's going to be a great NBA player I mean when you see stuff like this you have to be stoked I might be a little crazy in wanting to do this but I wanted to look at all the 22 and younger guards and see where he compares and you know he's his own type of player so none of these guys are exactly the same as him so you can't totally compare what they bring to teams. But I was kind of looking at it as a what players in order would you want to build a team around going forward. And let me preface this as I do every single episode, which is probably close to 100 episodes now. We are biased for the Pacers. With The, the, the all-Pacers spot is biased towards the Pacers, obviously. But I'm trying to be realistic here as much as possible. So I want to go through some of these names and... I guess I could do, maybe I'll do reverse order just to make it exciting. So I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 guys here who are, you know, those 22 and younger guards. Obviously, there's way more than that in the NBA, but these are just some of the bigger names. So let's do reverse order. I th- Man, this is this is tough. So there's like a bottom tier. I'm just going to kind of go through like the, the bottom tier. So you know, like RJ Barrett and Fernie Simons, Josh Giddy. I'd have those guys in that 9 to 11 range. Obviously, that's still really good when you think about how many guys are in the NBA. And those three guys are really good, too. I love and Fernie Simons. We got to see how good he was this year. And, I mean, we got to see how good he was this year, too, when he had nobody really on his team next to him. And, I mean, I think was averaging over 20 points per game when he was that starting point guard. So, exciting player. And Fernie Simons, Josh Giddy, there's a lot to be excited for. His shooting numbers aren't great, but he's that triple-double threat every night. R.J. Barrett going forward. I mean, I love R.J. Barrett. His shooting numbers took a huge leap this year. Uh, points per game took a leap as well. I think he's just going to be a good scoring player for years to come. So the next section, this is tough. So I have Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero, and Anthony Edwards in this next section. Anthony Edwards probably being the top of those guys. Um, just going for it. And look, I may even have him over one of these next guys that I'm about to name. But yeah, so Anthony Edwards, really like him. Tyler Hero, obviously won six man of the year this year. Really solid player. Kind of a defensive liability. I think Anthony Edwards is going forward going to be a better defensive player. I didn't love how his playoffs ended totally it seemed like he got bullied by the Grizzlies a little bit at times and when he was asked to you know make big plays there was a 
maybe like a 30% chance he was going to come through on that. That's totally just eyeball test alone. But I really like him going forward. Tyrese Maxey is the best three-point shooter out of all these guys I just listed, which was surprising to me. Um, And that's important because Tyrese Halliburton was second in three-point percentage out of all these guys I'm going to name, which you you have to be excited about, especially someone who isn't just a corner three-point shooter. Like Tyrese Halliburton's walking into threes or, you know, making a dribble move and then shooting a three. It's not him standing in the corner like we're seeing with Grant Williams, who anytime he touches the ball in the corner, he's open and he takes a shot. I think he had 18 points in the closeout game against Milwaukee. Or no, not 18 points, sorry. 18 attempted threes, which is insane for Grant Williams. But, I I mean, he was probably close to 40% shooting too, which is is just wild. So Tyrese Halliburton is working to get his own shot Tyrese Maxey is too not in the same way at all because they did have Harden and Embiid who had the ball in their hands most possessions so Tyrese Halliburton or Tyrese Maxey could get open um off ball or wait for the defense to collapse in the paint on two guys who seek out fouls and get into the paint every play so I have him below Anthony Edwards and then um, who else did I? Oh, and then Jordan Poole I have in that range as well. I think before the end of this Warriors-Memphis series, I would have had Jordan Poole a little bit higher because, I mean, he looks so good. I, I love Jordan Poole right now. But, you know, there were times where he would get shut down. I don't think we're going to see the same with the next set of guys I'm going to list. Maybe Cade Cunningham, who's next. Um, but he's young, and he's showing flashes already. I would be so stoked to have him as, um, you know, my building block going forward. Could he be better than Tyrese Halliburton? Definitely. I I don't want to take that away from him. I just don't have him over Tyrese Halliburton yet. And then that leads me to my top three. I believe I named everyone on this list. Yeah, my top three. So I have in order from top to bottom. I have John Morant one, Darius Garland two, and then Tyrese Halliburton three. And I hope no one's screaming right now because I have Darius Garland over Tyrese Halliburton. But, I mean, Darius Garland was an all-star this year and definitely earned it. Was first in assist on this list and averaged over 20 points per game. If I'm a Cavs fan, I'm stoked about that. John Morant, you know, makes sense at number one there. But having Halliburton at three seems kind of wild. But when you look at his numbers... It's probably warranted, you know, and a guy who is still young has all that room to grow. I mean, all these guys do, but already proving who he is, who he is and can be as an NBA player. Um, I'm excited about that. So I think the Pacers have a bright future with him at point, and that was my whole point. Like, I wanted to kind of just go through these guys and show where, realistically, Tyrese Halliburton is on this list. And I think three and, you know, depending on how high you are on Garland, he could be too. And, you know, with room to grow, is he going to be better than John Morant? I don't know. But let's just say maybe. Um, so I'm recording this on Monday, May 16th. The draft is tomorrow. Or, sorry, the NBA lottery is tomorrow, Tuesday, May 17th. We will do another episode when the lottery happens. Um, I think Sal may be covering that on the Playbook podcast. If you haven't listened to that yet, you can find that on this podcast platform. Um, wherever you listen to your podcast too. But yeah, we'll we'll do another episode when that happens, when free agency happens. I mean, we'll get back into the weekly stuff. It's just been kind of a hectic time. But thanks to our title sponsor, uh, Jack Brown Videography, my videography business. Um, 
paying for everything that we're doing with this podcast platform right now. So I just want to thank um, myself there, selfishly, I guess a, a free uh, business plug right there. So uh, if you are getting married in Indiana or literally anywhere in the world, Jack Brown Videography, that's who you want to go with. Um, <laughs> that feels so weird to say, but hey, that's who's paying for the podcast. So shout out. Um, let's wrap this episode up. I want to thank Earl Calloway once again for coming on this episode. Shout out to Austin for really just doing a lot with his life, man. He's just busy. So we'll, we'll get him on an episode soon. But shout out, Austin. You're doing things, man. I believe in you. Um, shout out to everyone listening. We're grateful for, you know, we, we have four shows on this All Indie Sports Network at the moment and hopefully can find a fifth at some point. But we're trying to grow, trying to reach everyone in this market, Colts, Pacers, college basketball, etc. cetera. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just thank you for the support from the beginning. I hope you're loving this content that we're pumping out. I know I am. Um, And like I said, we'll get this Pacers, all Pacers pod going weekly once again. It's just been a little hectic, but be on the lookout for more all Pacers pod episodes coming out soon. And I'll catch you next time. Peace out. You want me, Joel Embiid? Come get it, because I'm going to give it to you. Are you kidding me? Sabonis brought it to him.